Welcome to Cryptonized, the show that interviews the crypto masters and their ideas on investing and the blockchain. And now here's your host, Mark Fidelman. Joe Com is the most underrated guy I know and one of the best guys I know. He's a New York Times bestselling author, a marketing crypto influencer, blah, 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 blah. What's important to understand, though, is he's really a curious guy who literally started one of the most popular crypto podcasts based off knowing nothing about it. Not many people I know, Joel, have the cojones to do that. And Joel, welcome to the show. Can you give us maybe a hundred word bio or, or less about your very, very long and advanced career? I don't know how you're going to do it in a hundred words, but give it a shot. I am eternally 12 years old and I like to play <laughs> with things and toys and gadgets and ideas and somehow over the past two and a half decades by having that mindset and attitude, I've stumbled into success and I think your introduction of me was overrated. So there you go. All right. Well, with that, let's get going. So what I want to talk to Joel about today, because he's had so many interesting guests and he's had so many things occur on his podcast, and we'll give you all this information out in the show notes, is where is crypto going in 2020? It's been a wild ride, at least in the last couple of years. So I brought Joel on to talk about where he thinks the crypto industry is going in 2020. And, and Joel, my first question I have is, it's more of an overview question is, why do we even need a crypto industry? Yeah, well, we, we need blockchain because it per, it's a better, faster, more efficient, more effective database system, right? For managing and storing data. We live in an era of data and the systems and processes that we have in place suck and blockchain fixes that. As far as why we need cryptocurrency, it's because the, the power brokers of the world, the politicians, the big banks, they control the money supply and they do it at their whim and they manipulate the markets and they take their cuts and they tax us to death. And Bitcoin and cryptocurrency affords us the opportunity to, uh, to take our God-given liberty and freedoms back from those that would seek to use and manipulate us for their own selfish means. Yeah, and let me add to that. I mean, I'm a big capitalist, as you know. I want people to make a buck. I want them to make a million bucks. I, I really, really support that. And I think that's what makes you know the U.S. and other democracies great. But these, let's say, politicians and you know these financial pro uh, professionals that are manipulating the markets to their own gain just sicken me. And Absolutely. the fact that they have control over our monetary supply and how these things are invested and how they've scammed people for tens and hundreds of years, so maybe not hundreds, but at least decades, into us giving them their money, they take a piece of it, and they're not even beating the S&P 500. If you look what Tony Robbins did, he came out with a great book that basically said, I can summarize the book, you don't even need to read it. Basically says invest in the S&P 500 index because it beats 95% of the professionals that are out there. 95%. Why waste your money? Why waste your time? But nobody, knew, nobody talks about this. They all talk about managing your money, taking a little bit of a piece right. of it so they grow rich, rich. They're not adding any value to the U.S. economy. Yes, they're lending out money. They're providing liquidity. God damn, these guys don't deserve the amount of money that's coming to them. So finally... Somebody's figured out, you know, started with Satoshi and now we're seeing a lot of other innovation. They figured out, okay, let's start this 
cryptocurrency industry and give power back to the individuals and have it managed by the people and not governments or financial brokers. So that's my take on it, Joel. Uh, that gets a hearty amen. You know, <laughs> that a lot of people don't know that the Federal Reserve is neither federal nor reserve. Right. They don't know that this is just, you know, cooperation between the big banks. And, you know, just this month, what they've put like another 200 billion into the, the money supply, they just print more. Meanwhile, the dollar becomes worth less and less. And that's the beauty of Bitcoin. 21 million ever to be in existence. You can't make more. You can't change it. You can't hack it. And I think it's kind of interesting because the 18 millionth Bitcoin was just mined this last mm. week. Wow. All right. That's, that's quite a few. Um, you know, speaking of Bitcoin, speaking of crypto, I, I do think you need kind of an iron gut in this industry if you're buying tokens. Um, what are you seeing or who have you interviewed that's going to add more security in the space? Or is that in place yet or even talked about? Um, well, I think, you know, blockchain in itself is pretty darn secure. It's not like people are hacking the blockchain, right? They're, they're hacking human beings doing dumb things with their cryptos. That's, you know, that's what we're seeing the most. So secure wise, I think that there's a lot of really great examples of how blockchain works. We just covered a story today about a, a new HTC blockchain phone that's coming out. You know, our, our friend Seth Shapiro is um, suing AT&T for a whole lot of money because yeah. um, use, a person got involved, right? An AT&T employee was working with somebody outside of AT&T to swap his SIM cards out and, and had his crypto stolen. We're going to have him on the show soon to talk about it, but we talked about his story in an episode we just recorded today. And he's holding AT&T liable for not protecting his uh, his data and i think they should be held liable and winning this case would be huge because the the entire telecom industry would have to change and take security way more serious than they are i don't think people understand how risky it is to have you know your your um your cell phone uh, and not have it locked down with as much security, 2FA, you know, redundant passwords, all this stuff set up because people lose their cryptos this way. And they lose access to bank accounts this way and to their, their passwords and their personal information. Yeah, I mean, very well said. And, and that's kind of where I'm going. I mean, if you look at what the Winklevi have to do in order to secure you know, they're crypto and arguably they're one of the most advanced uh, people in the world when it comes to, to crypto. I mean, they literally have to take a bunch of ledgers, you know, USB ledgers and put them in different safe deposit box around the United States. That's how they secure it. I mean, that, that's how they got to go about doing that. Have you, have, have you come across anyone that's kind of trying and make it more secure, maybe with multi-sig wallets, or even if they do hack a phone, they can't, you know, they can't get at that wall unless they have multiple signatures. Any, anything that you've seen out there that you think is going to make the space more secure? You know, I know we've talked to some people, but off the top of my head, I can't. No, nobody comes to mind in particular. I just know that, you know, um, there are those that are making multi-sig wallets, like mm -hmm. you say, and, and seeking to up the security level. But I think the most important thing to be secure is for people to be educated on how to safely 
store your cryptos. You know, I don't keep my my Bitcoin online in an online wallet. It's all in a trezor. It's offline. It's where you can't hack it. You would need to have the device with my password and plug it into a machine and have my my keys. And I don't even keep that stuff around. Like you couldn't come to my place and go, give me your trezor. It's not here, right? It's stashed somewhere safely. And, and I couldn't give you the keys to it if I wanted to, because you have to have the device. And so, you know, people just need to get smart with how they're stashing their stuff. Yeah, I mean, the only one, I, I would definitely take your advice on this. I, I don't even know what a Trezor is, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look it up. But It's like a ledger, one. only better. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, I'll, t- I'll take a look at that. And, and if you've got uh, a URL, we can put that in the show notes. But I- I'll tell you, Joel, there's one person I won't take it, uh, advice from is your partner, uh, Travis, in terms of how to secure tokens. I mean, he-, he talks a wild story about how many how many times he's been hacked and how many times people have uh, taken his his tokens. Uh, it's not really funny, but I mean, the way he, he talks about it, it uh, well, it's actually I mean, hilarious. Yeah, he's able to tell the story and we do make some, you know, fun uh, of it, you know, he he lost fifty five Bitcoin, um, and that was that wasn't because of a hack. Yeah, though. that was that his was, own doing. Yeah. Right, he 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 mined them very early on, and they were worthless. And he got rid of the hard drive they were stashed on, and doesn't have the keys, and they're gone forever. They're somewhere in a trash dump, you know. <laughs> And that's it. It's think how many are like that though. Right? I know. How many people had went to a Bitcoin faucet? That's what he did. He went to a faucet every time he would turn on the faucet, it would drop like five Bitcoin or so. It was crazy. Amazing. Um, Amazing. And who knew? So at its peak, that Bitcoin was worth a million dollars. Unbelievable. All right, let's switch to. Uh, <laughs> All right, sorry, Travis. <laughs> wah, wah, wah. <laughs> exactly. Uh, let's switch to the kind of the utility token economic model. And uh, for those of you that don't have an economy or an economics degree, I I apologize in advance, but have you seen, you know, there's a couple of tokens, uh, Joel, that have, have, uh, have outperformed everyone else by a factor of like 10. And and one of them is Binance. Right. I don't know if you're familiar with their token. Sure. uh, ENB. Okay. Yeah. Could you want to, uh, do you, do you want to kind of explain their economic model? I could jump in if, if, if you... Uh, yeah, well, I mean, all I know, and I've used Binance before and I've had BNB before, but, you know, the basics of it is the token, when you're holding the token, um, you know, you get discounted trades, right? And, and some other side benefits to it. And Binance has gotten so big that I think when people are buying the token, they're almost feeling like they're buying into the company, which you are philosophically... Are. But it's not like you own shares of it. Right. Yeah, and, and I'm going to jump on that because, uh, you know, the, the owner of Binance it lives in hotels, and I think he moves every two days because I think he's worried about being sued or uh, captured by the Chinese government. I don't know which, and I don't know the full story. This is just what I heard. Right. But what's most interesting about their model, I believe, is they've turned a utility token into a quasi-security token without having to register. And the, the way they do that is they say, look, of our profits are going to be reinvested back into uh, the the company. And what we're going to do is we're going to take that 20% and we're going to burn Binance tokens, which effectively mean less supply, which increases the price. So I thought that was a genius utility token economic model, which finally can tie somewhat tie performance to a utility token without becoming a security. And I, I, I don't know what you're... 
thoughts are on that, but I'm like, shit, that, that was a that was a genius move. Yeah, no, they're they're definitely you know super brilliant, and now um, they've got a Binance US exchange. Yep, and uh, CZ, uh, wow, they they have just it been become massive. Yeah, I mean, what do you think? That's the number one exchange out there. Is it going to overtake Coinbase? Um, I don't know how many users they have, uh, either one of them. I know eToro's got a over 11 million users worldwide, so I'm not sure who the biggest is or who has the most volume. Uh, I'm sure a quick look at CoinGecko could probably give us yeah, that give information. Us that. Right. And I don't even know, Coinbase doesn't have a token, right? So it's no, it, you can't even value them that way. Uh, not that that's a fair indication of value anyway. But okay, so here here you go. Uh, by 24-hour volume, Binance is definitely the biggest, um, followed by Bitfinex and then Kraken, KuCoin, Poloniex. I don't even see Coinbase. Coinbase Pro is number nine mm. in terms of volume. Yeah, okay. So that, that leads me into my next question is, are you hearing anything about you know, evolving the utility token model at all? Well, I mean, we went from the ICO, right, to mm -hmm. the EIO, EIEIO, <laughs> and <laughs> now we have the STOs, and it's all basically the same thing. They're just trying to do it by making sure they play within regulation. I like utility tokens. There's some people that are like, they're all crappy coins. You don't need any of them. Right. Uh, but I disagree. I think that, you know, we've seen a lot of use cases for utility tokens that improve upon the way that we're doing things now. And, and I'm a fan. Now, I've talked to some people that said, in the end, you'll only really have a few coins. And I've heard from others that like one day there's going to be a million different you know tokens and in uses so i don't i think i fall somewhere in between that i think both are extremes uh but a lot of it kind of depends upon regulation right what the the governments the powers that be will allow and will not allow at the point of the gun right and that's what i worry about is that if they get too regulatory here in the U.S., everyone's going to move outside of it and we're going to miss out. They on already are. They, yeah, they already I see that are. too. It's happening I, I now. I mean, the U.S. government is moving so slowly on this and is that companies are going, all right, well, we're going to go to Malta. We're going to go to Bermuda. We're going to go to the Bahamas. We're going to go to Gibraltar. We're going to go to Singapore. Mm -hmm. We're going to go, we can go anywhere now. The world is, you know, everything is at our fingertips now. You can set up an entity at any of these places if you've got the money and you don't have to deal with uh, U.S. regulation. And so they're chasing people away. Yeah, it's really sad to watch. I mean, the SEC is not making any, you know, they've given some guidelines, but they haven't given, you know, uh, guidelines that people can, can count on. And you kind of see what's happening. I don't know if you were able to watch the hearings uh, yesterday with Zuckerberg and about Libra. And it, it seems pretty antagonistic. And yeah. if, if that's the future of legislation in terms of, cryptocurrency and, and probably not the blockchain. I think everyone's okay with the blockchain, but the crypto side of it, then, uh, you know, the U.S. is going to be a little bit of trouble. Uh, anybody that's in the U.S., whether you're, you're somebody that invests in tokens or, or someone that participates in, you know, cryptocurrency, you, you know, you're going to, you're going to face, uh, I think you're going to be at a disadvantage to your global, uh, 
anybody that's that's based outside the U.S. I watched just a little bit of the hearing, and I and I don't like any of the players. Right, these people in Congress, they don't understand this. You know, this is not why they don't understand cryptocurrency. They don't understand blockchain. Only a small minority of them do. And Zuckerberg is just a bot. You know, listening to him talk is is aggravating because you know he's lying. So what's the point? The whole thing is a charade. And so these people are going to decide our fate. Uh, You know, I think this is why the older I get and the more I know, the more libertarian I become. Because uh, I just feel like, all right, so we the people have placed these people who are clueless in charge of the decisions that are going to affect our lives. It makes no sense. Right. I, I, and I totally agree. And then, and then you could say, look, um, what if Congress gives Facebook a pass on Libra? Then we got Facebook to contend right. with. I mean, how much are we going to trust them? We're not. With, yeah, exactly. So... Yeah, I agree. The whole thing seemed like kind of a charade to me, but uh, it's it was pretty interesting to watch. I didn't watch all of it either. I'm gonna I'm gonna do that tonight. But it seemed it seemed to me that it was a pretty antagonistic type of uh, exchange between well, the, the two. But that's that's because he lied before Congress before, right? So he came back again, but they caught him, you know, lying from from the past about how Facebook handles data and privacy. And yeah. so, um, you know, why should they trust anything he says? And why do they think that the answers he's giving them? I mean, he said that uh, they're not, Facebook is not going to move, you know, forward on putting Libra into action until they have the support of the regulatory agencies. I don't believe that. I, I do not buy that. I think that Facebook is more likely to uh, ask forgiveness than permission. <laughs> Yeah, and they're so big and they're so well financed. I mean, uh, it, yeah, why not? I mean, they're paying fines all over the world right now. They yep. probably don't even care. No, with, with no all the money they're making. That's yeah. There's a line item on their, you know, on their their budget. For yeah, that. rounding error. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Okay, so let's now move into 2020. Now, I know I don't know about you, but my crystal ball and anyone's crystal ball I've ever seen doesn't really work. People get lucky, but it's still fun to kind of look at what do you see what are the important things that people should pay attention to in 2020 well i think the most important thing is not regulation it's bitcoin itself we're going to come up in may on our next having the difficulty level for mining bitcoin is going to double the reward you know gets cut in half and traditionally every time that's happened before we see a new all-time high now we could have an exception this time. It could be that this last run and all the hype, you know, built it up way too high. Um, I, I don't know, but I'm, I'm just looking at that. I'm thinking Bitcoin is math and there's no avoiding the fact that the difficulty is going to double and it's going to get harder to get new Bitcoin into the system. Therefore, it's going to be more costly to mine it. So how does the price not follow that increase in cost? Um, I just, it, it doesn't make any sense that it doesn't, but you never know. It's a wild, wacky world we live mm-hmm. in. And, uh, you know, if I was a betting man, and even though I'm going to Vegas for Vegas blockchain week, I'm really not a betting man, uh, but I am in crypto. So I suppose to some degree I am. I call it a, an educated guess though right? Because we are looking at the math of this and understanding that the world's financial systems are broken. Uh, So I I anticipate Bitcoin 
going up in value throughout 2020, at least in, you know, up through the spring and into the summer. Uh, but I'm not a financial advisor. I could be very wrong and go do your own due diligence, everybody. So you're not going to make a bold prediction like uh, John McAvee's half a million dollars. No, he said a million. He's, he doubled down. He did down. say a million. He okay, said a million. No, I, didn't, I didn't catch that. No, I'm not going to make any predictions. I don't know. It doesn't it yeah, mean anything. It's just right. throwing a number out there doesn't mean anything. There's so many forces at work here. There's, mm-hmm. there's market manipulation from within the legal markets, right? Then there's market manipulation from outside, from foreign nations, right? Then you've got whales that can impact the, uh, the price of Bitcoin by dumping. You've got uncertainties from, um, you know, like the company that manages Tether. Is this thing going to blow up one day? And all of right. a sudden, Tether is not worth it at all. Dollar. Uh, then you've got competing technologies that can come, you know, that, that could develop. And so, you know, I can say without hesitation that I have no clue where it's going to go. How's that for certainty? Uh, yeah, uncertain certainty. Okay. I, uh, I'll, I'll switch to the blockchain side and I'll say, I think we're going to see, and maybe the crypto side, I think we're going to see a lot more transparency especially with these exchanges. I mean, if you look at, uh, there's been analysis on coin market cap and where, you know, they've stated, hey, 95% of this information is wrong. Yet most people are relying on, on that for their financial uh, crypto sure. information. Sure, what else have we got? Yeah, there's nothing, which is interesting. Why isn't there a competitor to coin market cap? Not a true Well, well the, there see. is. CoinGecko is the one that we use. Interesting. Okay, yeah. but they're... Are they pulling feeds from all the exchanges? Is that what they're doing? I believe so. Yeah, I mean, it's okay. it's, it's it is a competitor. It's a legitimate one. They actually have some additional tools that CMC doesn't have. Um, I do think we're going to see, uh, you know. This prediction is easy. We're going to see more mainstream adoption, right? Because mm-hmm. everything's moving towards adoption. Every week when we do the news um, show for Bad Crypto, we yeah. see this government is, you know, today we just talked about how Malta now is offering a master's degree in blockchain at, at one of the universities. Wow. Um, you know, there's uh, folks in uh, Malaysia now has, you know, a blockchain work sector. Uh, there, there's just more and more governments and industries are going to adopt it. And that means that some of these techs that, uh, you know, raised all this money and are slowly rolling out their product, are, there's going to be some big winners. And we're going to look back and go, man, I, I really thought Ethereum was going to make it. Maybe they do. I don't know. Uh, or, you know, I bet it all on EOS because I really liked, you know, what they were doing. And somebody or somebody's, some organizations are going to come out on top and others aren't. And that's just the nature of, you know, how business goes. Most businesses fail, uh, but the ones that win can win big. Yeah. And we saw that with the dot-coms back in the late 90s. Absolutely. Early 2000s. So we we know this. We know how this is all going to play out. Um, But it's more on a global scale instead of a U.S. scale, which makes it even more interesting. I'll say another thing that needs to be done, I think it's going to be done in, in 2020, is ease of use. I mean, getting on some of these dApps, uh, are can be extremely difficult, especially if there's fiat or cryptocurrency involved. You need Scatter, you need MetaMask, and right. you know, it's a 20-step process to, to get through each of those. I, I think there's going to be a lot easier way of getting onto these dApps and using uh, blockchain and, and crypto and fiat in, in unique ways in 2020. So I'll make that prediction, and, and uh, I uh, 
pretty sure that's that's going to happen as well. Well, we're we're seeing it. I mean, we we get to talk to companies all the time. There's one that we met that we like so much after we interviewed them on the show, uh, and they liked us that they asked us to be ad- advisors. It's uh, MobiPay, M O B I E Pay dot um, I O, and hmm. they they've got a wallet that makes crypto super easy, and they're being super smart about it too because they are finding existing companies that have a large user base and helping them integrate their wallet. Uh, now, I haven't seen it in the wild yet, but you know, we're talking some companies that have some you know, fairly significant user bases. And if they can integrate this you know, with existing businesses, then it can be real transparent right for the users they don't have to know that they're dealing with blockchain all they have to know is that they're earning crypto or able to spend it easily so i haven't heard of moby wallet what are what are they doing that's innovative uh you know there's hundreds of wallets what are they doing that others aren't doing um well okay so first of all all these complicated keys that we have to remember that we talked about that stuff you're you don't need that you tie it to your phone number Right? Interesting. It's a simple universal payment system that you, uh, you know, it's just tied from your, your mobile phone. So it makes it so that wherever you are, you can send cash or mm-hmm. send cryptos with the phone. No problem. Direct. So like Venmo, Venmo for the crypto industry. Yeah. 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 You certainly, that's one way to, to, to put it. Okay. All right, and, yeah. and, it, and it works. It just works. Like in, in, when he sent, you know, the Brandon, who's the founder, he said, here, check this out and try it. And he sent me some. It was like, boom, Moby in my wallet like that. And that's, you know, Bitcoin doesn't work that fast. Lightning Network works faster. But when I see somebody who's got it figured out that they can send it instant payments and it's as fast as, you know, any way that we're accustomed to now and it's being tracked on blockchain, that breeds confidence. Okay. I got to check that out. Uh, that's something because I'm tired of managing keys and, and I, I know you probably are. Uh, and that's one of the reasons why I don't have a lot invested in crypto is because it's too freaking hard. I'm afraid I'm going to lose it or pull a Travis and just, you know, dump my hard drive somewhere. Pull <laughs> <Somebody>. a Travis. <laughs> well, don't do that. Don't dump. I mean, I think that, you know, by now we know, but here's the deal. If guys like, you know, like you that are tech savvy are scared of it, then it makes sense that the general public, you know, Main Street America, uh, Main Street world is, is scared of it. But we really need crypto. Yeah. Oh, I, th- I mean, given all of what we've talked about, and government interference and these power brokers, uh, these financial institutions that are, uh, you know, have all this power. And by the way, uh, we've done some research on this, Joel. Do you know that most of the patents in crypto are owned by the big banks that doesn't surprise me at all i mean how effed up is that these are the guys fighting it yet they're getting all the patents you know they call mark zuckerberg before congress but meanwhile you've got uh wells fargo and jp morgan developing their own crypto i don't see them being called before regulators of course not because we trust them right right Right. they're they're legitimate no they're not there is they're illegitimate. Just because you've been conducting a scam for decades doesn't make it any less of a scam. A legal scam. I agree, hundred percent. Let's talk about scams in in crypto now. I'm not. Be connect. <laughs> but I, one of the things that also worries me, and I'm hope is solved in in 2020, and I'm, I'm interested in your perspective is, you know, where, and I'm sure they're out there, 
and reach out to me if you're one of these people. But where are the the white hat analysts? Where are the the crypto houses that are really doing fair and qualitative analysis on these cryptocurrencies? I mean, you've got companies like Tron, and, and everyone knows my opinion on Tron because I've done videos and, and uh, blog posts on this. But you've got a company like Tron with a very charismatic leader that's promoting the hell out of something that's, you know, it, it's kind of real, but it's not really being used. I mean, you can go to DAP Review and DAP Radar, do your own analysis, but I'll tell you right. that most of those, those DAPs are gambling DAPs if they're right. being used, and the others are fake volume. Uh, so, where are those people or those? houses that are saying, yeah, here's our stamp of approval, or this is a scam, or you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, they. Uh, so I wish, again, we've interviewed so many people on the show, and we have spoken to those that do um, evaluate the industry, but names evade me at the moment, just because we talk to so many people, I can't keep it straight. Yeah, so if you are one of those people, or there's a, a group of people like I don't know. I'm thinking, uh, what's, what, what's like the stamp of approval for any other industry? You know, yeah. if you all- well, some sort of association, right? But yeah. uh, the, right. There's, there's not, uh, one that everybody looks to right now as kind of the better business bureau of, exactly. uh, of crypto, but uh, it's really hard to do that when you don't have the regulation to stand on to begin with. Right. It's like, well, what, how do you know? You can't say for sure if it's a scam. Somebody can evaluate something, uh, but they might not understand it. They might not have the vision. Um, right, you know. and that's a great point. I mean, why don't we have metrics for the blockchain to analyze? I mean, we do have metrics, but nobody's putting it in some kind of a because it's still formula. a nascent industry. It's still yeah. this is still new. We're still figuring it out. Right, but that makes, I mean, if we did figure that out, if we were able to analyze a blockchain to see how legitimate it is, then at least we could say, look, there's real activity and real transactions going on here. It's not fake volume. And so this is a legitimate company, you know, that's got a blockchain that's being used with transactions, with real uh, financial uh, information being passed back and forth. That, I think, would, would cause more of the masses to come in because they, there's that transparency and there's that trust. Because most people aren't going to want to do that analysis on, uh, themselves. It's taken me months to figure some of this stuff out. Right. Again, we have spoken to people that are building that. I just um, too much content, too many people. <laughs> and, How many and, episodes are you at now? Um, numbered plus spotlights plus specials over 400 in you know yeah, less than three years so it's just it's a lot um and i'm glad that we're putting it out there but this 55 year old brain doesn't remember mm. as much as it used to <laughs> <laughs> all right with that is there any other 2020 trends or predictions that that you want to make before we wrap things up crypto will go up crypto will go down <laughs> Yeah, but, but blockchain really is here to stay. Blockchain's yeah. here to stay. It, it is, is just that, you know we know that it's going to keep moving forward, and regardless of what governments of the world do, that's not going to stop blockchain. It's also not going to stop crypto. Uh, you know, you want an underground economic system, um, and and having it used for criminal uses, then make it illegal. Right? That's that's the surest way to guarantee that criminals are uh, are going to use it. And so let's mainstream this stuff. Let's realize the world is changing. Let's not spend our country 
you know, into uh, bankruptcy. And let's see if, you know, crypto can be the rising tide that lifts all boats. Yeah. And I'd like to see a competitor to the U.S. dollar based on what you and I have already talked about. There's no reason why oh, yeah. that should be dominant and controlled by a few power brokers. Well, it's going to kill itself. I mean, if there's no competitor, it's going to die anyway. I mean, fiat currencies have a life cycle and we're seeing it with the U.S. dollar and they're printing more and the value goes down. You know, in Venezuela, they had something like, I don't know, 14,000% inflation. Yeah, it's insane. There's, there's no insane. value to the Venezuelan Boulevard, literally none. They, they burn it. They use it for toilet paper. And that used to be the you know the crown of South America. That was the the wealthiest country, and this is what they've done to it. So we need solutions, and we need them now. There, well said, well said. So I asked this question to, to everybody, and it's our final question, and that is, in a hundred words or less, if you could invest a fictional hundred thousand dollars in one or two cryptos, what would they be, and why? Uh, well, I would put the majority in Bitcoin because in the crypto world, it's the surest thing we have, right? Um, and I would probably spread out amongst the top 10. I'd, I'd have some EOS in there because I really like what the, they're doing and I like what I see as far as the, the dApps that are being built. Um, it's not just gambling apps like with Tron. And uh, Stellar Lumens, they've already got a deal with um, IBM for international cross-border payments. It's super fast. And um, I think that they've got potential for good long term. But then again, All right. what do I know? Well, we know you're not a financial advisor. And, That's and true. Uh, it was a fictional $100,000. So It is. <laughs> it is. All right. So if you don't know anything about cryptocurrency or the blockchain, or you know a lot, and you want to learn more about crypto, you've got to listen to the Bad Crypto Podcast. It's full of laughs and entertainment, but you know, I learn a lot from that podcast more than any others. Wow. Well, that's and, good. It's not from us though. It must be from our guests. <laughs> well, you guys kind of bring it out in them. No, you guys have a, you guys definitely have opinions. So, uh, if you haven't subscribed, go subscribe. Um, it, it, it is fantastic. And I'm really, uh, shocked, proud, surprised, impressed by what you guys have been able to do from basically knowing nothing about the industry. It was really impressive to watch. We're just shocked, but, uh, but we're grateful. <laughs> we're having a good time. You know, Travis is so smart. Uh, he's, just, he's a leading marketing technologist, and he understands uh, this stuff. He understood it before I did, and uh, we've both got a broadcasting background and podcasting and content creation, and so we were having these discussions and just making them public and inviting other people to go down the rabbit hole just seems such a natural thing to do. Uh, we're just grateful that people enjoy the show. Well, you could have gone another direction with uh, marijuana, which is another big trend, but um, I'm happy that you went this direction and you focused uh, more on the blockchain space. Travis still smokes. I don't smoke anymore. <laughs> I was stoned for about five years of my life straight from before college all the way through to college after college. And I quit and, you know, it became legal here in Colorado again. We were exactly what I'm saying. Yes. And, and I tried it again. And I was like, yeah, it's not for me anymore. And I'm fine with that. And if other people want to do it, I'm fine with that too. But I would not be the guy to do a, a weed podcast. <laughs> All right. So uh, if you enjoy our <laughs> podcast, please write a review for us in the Apple, Apple Podcasts and Google Play apps. 
your reviews encourage us and help others choose our podcast. So Joel, thanks again. Really appreciate it. And, uh, look forward to next time. Stay bad. A reminder that we are not financial advisors and anything we talk about or refer to on the show should not be considered or construed as financial advice. We encourage you to do your own research and come to your own conclusions.